0: We want to give you greetings, Uh, Quiet Bible Church, our guests in the house, Pastor Aaron and his beautiful bride, Shannon. Um, Our senior pastors here are actually on holiday. They are having their first full vacation, uh, 15th year anniversary for their wedding, and for the first time, they're in New York City. So that's where they are today, and they'll be back uh, next Sunday for us. Um, if the children are here and you haven't been dismissed, feel free. Um, we're going to be talking about generosity. That's a series that the pastor started, and we'll continue with that series this morning. I want to say a few words about it, and then we're, we're going to pray. Before I do so, do we have newlyweds in the house? I'm just curious. No, they're not here? No, okay. I was just curious. All right. All um, right just want to say when we think about generosity when i think about generosity there are people that come up in my life thank you mark and some of those people are family some of them are friends um, outside of the family and um, even teachers and different ones but one came to mind um, and that was my aunt rose my aunt rose and the reason why aunt rose came to mind when i thought about generosity is Anytime my family, my brother, myself, and I, and my mom, would go visit Aunt Rose, she always had a big bowl of candy. It was, it was big. And maybe, you know how when you're small, everything's big. You know. But this was a big bowl. This was a big bowl. Even by our standards today, this was a big bowl. Because it was full. Forget about the bowl. It was full. That, that was the point. Overflowing to the top of candy. And, and, of course, my mother, you know, she, she, didn't, she didn't want any parts of us with that. But Aunt Rose. And so uh, my mom would kind of give us instructions before we got into the house. Um, you guys, you know, don't eat a lot of candy. We're like, okay, ma, okay, ma. You know, you kind of do that. And then as soon as we get into the house, we're like, Aunt Rose, wow. And you know what she would say? She would say, Babies, help yourself. That's what you would say. And, and for some reason, that's like heaven to me. You know what I mean? Go right ahead. And, and we would start. And, and, and believe it or not, it's only two of us, my brother and I, but we would have to fight. Okay? there got to be 100 pieces of candy, but we're going to fight. okay, yeah. And so, you know, we would grab some, stuff it in a little bit in our pants, pockets, okay? And then we'd begin to eat it, the candy, over time. And we never minded being at Aunt Rosa's house. Meaning my mom could go in the kitchen, they could talk for an hour. We did not care. We just ate candy. And for me, that's what comes to mind when I think of generosity. And you could start the PowerPoint. What comes to mind is that if you think about it, there may be someone in each of our lives or someone's. And it might be that when you think of generosity, perhaps the opposite comes up. Perhaps in your life you had an experience of someone very stingy, you know, and that comes to mind. But for me, Aunt Rose comes to mind. But today I want to challenge us. Instead of having Aunt Rose as the standard, I'm going to suggest a different standard. I'm going to suggest that the Bible offers to us a different standard for generosity. And we're going to start with the cross. And so today, as we talk about developing a generous spirit, we know that God is spirit. So if anything is going to be done to the spirit in me, you know, this being my clay house, my flesh house, we're all spirit beings on the inside. If anything is gonna change about the spirit in me, it's not gonna be something that I can do. It's not gonna be something that I can do for you. It's gonna be something that God will have to do in you and in me. So as we go through this lesson, think about generosity. But think about the work that God is doing in each of us, so we begin to measure up like Jesus, okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to hear your word. We pray, Lord, for an open heart and an open mind to receive it, and also for a commitment to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Think about the cross. Jesus hanging between earth and heaven, painful, painful, shameful, shameful. What if I'm saying to you today, instead of in this season of an Easter season that we just came out of, instead of rushing to the tomb with expectancy for the tomb to be rolled away, the rock, and for Jesus to be resurrected, Instead of us meeting Jesus there, what if I say to you, what if I say to you that in this life, we need to meet Jesus here, first and foremost? And, and yes, there will come a day in which this, this body of flesh will be transformed. And yes, there will come a day when I will be a, a, a newer, a different creature even even more so than what God has done in my heart today. But what if I say to you that we are to meet Jesus at this cross and that truly, if we're talking about generosity, it's about sacrifice. What if I say, in order for a husband to be a husband, he has to be a husband on the cross? What if I say in order for a wife to be a wife, she will have to be a wife on the cross? What if I say in order for me to be the son or the brother or the friend, I will have to be on the cross? The Bible speaks about us as Christians dying daily to ourselves. That our attitudes, our ways of living, our wants, our give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, our attachments, all the things that we want to make us pretty, to make us happy, to make us satisfied, that many times we live for, the Bible speaks about us shedding these things to become more like Jesus shedding these things that Jesus transforms us from the inside out. This is not a work that you can do for you. This is not a work that someone else can do for you. This is a work that the Holy Spirit does in you when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we start with the cross. You can go to the next slide. Why do we start with the cross? Jesus is our example. He's our pattern. We are to imitate Christ. What did he do? He gave to the poor. He gave to the powerless. He gave to those who could not return the favor. He gave to those who are controversial. There's always some group on the outs, you know what I mean. And if you have seen talking to them, oh, boy, you're going to be the talk of the town. Well, Jesus, for some reason, embraced those kinds of folks. He went around them purposefully. He made sure to address their needs intentionally. What about you and me? Who are we avoiding that we need to embrace? Jesus is our example. Now, I could say... Aunt Rose inspires me, but Jesus takes it to a new level. Jesus is our standard, our standard. Now we all have people we can think about on either side of the coin when it comes to being either generous or or not, but Jesus is our standard for generosity. He, He makes the rain the fall on the good and the not so good. He, 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 he gives breath to breathe even to our enemies. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, he's the one, God is the one that, that does so much even when we don't deserve it. Even if and we cannot earn it, God does it for us anyway. When we look at him as our standard, can we say the same for us? It's like, how can I do that? Only God in me can help me do that. Jesus is our standard. We're very familiar with this scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Some of us, maybe even many of us, can think of an instance in our life where we would run into the fire to save a loved one. You know what I mean? We will go into debt. Because, oh, uncle, brother, cousin, whoever, so-and-so, you feel obligated. If it's not even love, it's obligation, right? You're gonna respond, right? But what about giving up your only child? You understand? What about giving up your only child? How many parents do you know could readily do that? And that is the example God sets for us. And he sets that example for us to tell us that even if we don't know it, even if we don't believe it, we, in God's eyes, are worth it. He sees us, his creation, and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. He sees us in our dire moments, and he says, I still want my children back. He sees us, God sees us, even as that prodigal child, that son, who takes everything for granted, carelessly loses it all and God still is looking and waiting for us to return. Consider the story that this young man, it wasn't his time. He was the youngest. This was the estate. Usually you wait to dad like passes away. You know what I mean? It's not even that his body was cold. He was living and breathing. And he was the youngest. Chances are it would have passed to the elder, and the elder would have decided what he was going to get. So there's no way he should have been coming to his father for anything. How many times do we come to God? And you and I both know we don't deserve it. You and I both know we can't earn it. But God gives it freely anyway. Breath in our bodies to breathe. Another opportunity to live out this life. This is what God is doing for us. Here's what the scripture says. It says Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son In sacrificial death, while we were of no use whatever to him, we didn't deserve it. But God offers that sacrifice. So I want to offer to us today, as an example, as a standard, as the measure that Jesus Christ on the cross is our measure for generosity. And if we're trying to meet that measure, we need to meet him at the cross. So let's consider this. God did not depend on who we were in order to be generous. Now, many times I talk about obligation. The identity of who's asking matters. If you have a son or a daughter or a brother or an uncle, a mom or dad, even if you're low on funds and they come to you, many instances you might say, hey, this is family. I got to do this. So identity may matter, but it, it didn't matter for God. It didn't matter who we were, what our title or roles were. Our behavior, it didn't matter if we were performing up to a standard or not think again about the prodigal son. He was living it up, literally, on his daddy's dime, right? And lost it all. You understand? So he didn't deserve it. And he didn't earn it, right? His father earned that. He didn't earn it. And so when we consider What Christ does for us when he looks out on us and God through Christ, his generosity, he's not doing this based on our identity, our behavior, our status. He's doing this because he is our Father and he loves us. He's doing this because he wants to reconcile all the world back to himself, relationship. Those are his motives. You understand? No other motive. He's not trying to reconcile because he has, you know, he got something in mind and yeah, I'm going to make them do this and make them do that. No. No other motive. Love and relationship. Those are his motives. What does God's generosity in us look like? And if we're really going to try to measure up to this God-like generosity. What would it look like? Let's take a peek at this scripture. And this is the Message Bible, Luke 6. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us you and me generously and graciously even when we're at our worst our father is kind you be kind don't pick on people don't jump on their failures don't criticize their faults unless of course you want the same treatment don't condemn those who are down that hardness it can come around to heart you. It can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life, not just your stuff. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and with blessing. Giving, not getting. Giving, not getting. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. That's how it looks. Now, I don't know about you, but there may be a few areas in there where you don't measure up. Anybody? You can put your hand up, you know, yeah. A few areas, ah, smidgen, ah. One of those words over there in the corner, you know what I mean. When I read that, I was like, oh, God, I got to read that? Yeah, yeah, you can't do this without God in you. You can't do this without God in you. We can't do this unless God transforms the spirit in you so that that spirit becomes like him. And that is the message. Generosity, the way God sees it, can only be done through us with God in us. God working through us. God using us. Does anybody want that? Does anybody want to be used by God? This world needs to see this generosity. Can you imagine when this generosity shows up the impact it can have on this world that we live in today, well, it can show up through you and through me. We talked about the story of the prodigal son. I mentioned the son, but we want to focus on the father. A few verses. That few first verse, verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he, the father, divided to them his livelihood. So the father did the accounting and said, Okay, son, young son, this is what you're going to get. Uh, next slide. And here are the things that you want to consider. First, what are the issues with the son's request? We talked about that. It's not time. He's, it's not cultural. It's not timely. Um, It probably shouldn't even fall to him. He's the youngest. Um, In other words, the father had ample reasons to deny the son. God has ample reasons to deny us, but he doesn't. In this case, just like in the case with us and God, he freely gives to us. Father gives the youngest son the portion of his estate What does this say about the father? What does this say about God toward us? God is compassionate, merciful, loving, forgiving, generous father. Another verse we want to take a look at is verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This young man was in tatters. He had left with shoes. He was now barefooted. He might have lost them in a poker game. He had been sleeping and working in a pig's pen. And when he came and he's on his way, it shows that the father must have been looking out for him. Because the Bible makes the point to say it was a long way off and the father spotted him. And you know what the father did? The father didn't sit back and ceremoniously wait for the son to drag himself to the house. He didn't do that. The father dropped what he was doing and he ran. You need to know that when you have anybody that is of position or power, and you have them running, it's just out of the ordinary. You understand? You don't, you don't have fathers and kings running to their children. The Bible says that when he saw him a long way off, daddy ran to the boy. Generosity, compassion, forgiveness, mercy. This is what God has for you and me. When we open our heart to the Father, he runs to us. He doesn't sit back and say, why did it take you so long? You know what I mean. He doesn't sit back and say, oh, no, I'm just going to wait and see if you really deserve it. You know what I mean. He doesn't sit back and begin to count the times when he was looking and you didn't show up. You understand? No, no. No hesitation. This daddy runs to the child. The Bible says that not only does he run to him, but when he approaches him, he falls, up, he grabs him. So you don't get any scolding. This is not about I'm going to browbeat you for taking all the money. This is not about I want to get to you sooner so I can tell you not to come home. And No, no. He falls on him with loving arms. And this dirty, tattered, worn, tired, smelly child, he kisses. He kisses. You don't kiss a servant, but you kiss a a son. He's telling him, you're still mine. God looks at you. He looks at me, and he says, you're still mine. Think about that. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But God looks at us, and he says, that's my child. Can you imagine if you were looking on, and you saw this man running? Who's he running to? That's my son. That's my daughter, he's saying. God says that to us today. When we repent, when we turn around and turn to God, he doesn't force us. But when we do that of our own accord, he says, you're mine. He says, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. And that's what he did with this child. Next verse. Oh, you can stay right there. Thank you. You can go back. Generosity does not depend on the other's behavior. It didn't depend on the son's behavior. He was still raggedy. I mean, the only thing that changed was he decided to make a change. It didn't look like it, except that he came back. That was all that it took a turn back to the father. That's all that it took. The father didn't wait for him to go bathe, go bathe, go clean up, no. Didn't wait for any other change. That was more than enough. I'm back, daddy. And the father received him. Next verses. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. What might this mean? God took that robe that was tattered, those clothes that were worn and dirty. This father takes those tattered clothes off this son and puts on a robe. Jesus takes our life of sin. He takes our life of shortcomings. And you know what? He covers us with his blood, with his presence. When God looks at us, he sees Christ. He doesn't see my sin. I could never be perfect. But he sees what Jesus did on that cross for my sin. Ring welcomes a son, not a servant. Think about the story of Joseph. When he worked his way and God brought him up to that status and the Pharaoh put that ring on his finger, he had delegated authority. He had honor. He had position. He had wealth. This is what God, this is what this father is saying to this son. You don't need to wait. Come on in, son. You're still my son. You're my child. You're my blood. Come on in into that position of authority, of honor, of wealth. Everything this young man didn't have at this point in his life. What do the sandals represent? Those dirty, worn, dusty feet of this child had been in places he's regretting. Haven't we been in places that have dishonored God? We've gone to places with our own two feet. We have gone to places in our mind. We have gone to places in our emotions. Things that are shameful to us and are sinful to God. And yet God, seeing our path, the journey we have taken with these feet, he says, put sandals on, my son. These feet that he's walking on still had the dirt, still had the remnants from that pig's pen. But God saw that and said, put sandals on my son. God covers our sin with the blood of Jesus. It's a pardon that we don't deserve and we can't earn. Finally, you have a starving man, hungry man. There used to be a meal out there called Hungry Man. <laughs> hungry man. Yeah. It's almost noon you guys are going to eat after this anyway. Empty stomach. Think about the emptiness that you and I have experienced in life. There are some things in life, no matter who you have, what you do, there's an emptiness inside. God wants to fill those empty places inside each of us. Sometimes we're looking for a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, or a job, a a position. We're looking for money. We're looking for something to fill this emptiness. But it won't do. That's what that young man experienced. He tried most of that. And he came up empty. And you know what? He knew with that emptiness where he needed to go to get filled. He came to his father. So as the worship team comes back, I want you and I to consider today That God sees the path we have taken. And we're not perfect, but he wants relationship with us. He doesn't want any distance between you and him. He wants no distance. And so he invites us today to be like that son, to turn around and come back to God. God has a generous spirit. He looks at us, and he welcomes us with open arms. He welcomes us with open arms. There's nothing more we need to do except turn. Nothing more we need to say except turn. Nothing more we need to think about Except turn. You're here for a reason. God brought you here today for a reason. Nothing more you need to do but turn. This is what that child did. The Bible says he came to his senses. And he went where he could get fed. He came to his senses. And he went home. The father didn't chastise him. The father didn't yell at him. The father didn't argue with him. The father welcomed him. That's generosity. That's the kind of generosity God calls us today. You can't do it, but God can do it through you.